Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Guido Saki. Guido is the Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Global Payments, a leading worldwide provider of payment technology and software solutions that earns in excess of $8.5 billion in annual revenue. Guido's responsibilities include information technology and digital business strategies, worldwide technology infrastructure and operations management, application development and support, information security, customer experience, project portfolio management, platform integration, analytics, and artificial intelligence. I look forward to covering a bit of each of those if possible and learning more about his journey as a technology leader at the same time. Well, Guido Saki, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter, and glad to be here. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's chief operating officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. And Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do when you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What Adyen did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment, but it's, hey, how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases? Thanks, Cameron. And now on to the interview. Well, uh, pleasure's mine, certainly. Well, uh, Guido, why don't we begin with your company? Uh, it is Global Payments, and I gave a very brief overview of the business. I wonder if you could take a little bit of time and, and offer a little more context as to the business you're in, please. Yeah, sure. So Global Payments is a, a global provider of uh, payment technologies. We are a leading payment technology company. Uh, we specialize on delivering innovative software and services to our customers worldwide. Um, we offer a broad range of solutions. They enable our customers to operate their businesses more efficiently across a variety of channels. Uh, and we are present uh, around the world. So just to give you an idea of size and scope of our operations, we are a Fortune 500 company, S&P 500 member. We are in 170 countries through, throughout North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, Latin America, uh, about 25 what we refer to as team members uh, globally. And we serve 4 million merchant locations. Uh, so we have 26 of the top 50 quick service restaurants. We have about a third of colleges and universities in the US. Uh, we have 40 thousand public schools, 33,000 doctor's offices. So we have a lot of uh, breadth. Um, we, at the core of our business, still uh, do process a lot of transactions. Uh, we like to say that every transaction is an event in somebody's life, and we do that more than 60 billion times a year. Um, so we uh, also partner with about 1,500 uh, financial institutions, and uh, we support a lot of payment types. I think at this point we are north of 140. Very briefly, we uh, have 
are divided into two large segments. One is what we call merchant solutions, and that is uh, the unit that provides end-to-end -end customized software and services to merchants uh, and help them run their businesses uh, from front of the house, back of the house, and everything that surrounds a payment. Uh, and then we have issuer solutions, and uh, with that unit, we provide technology products and processing services to financial institutions, fintech companies, neobanks, and retailers who issue instruments of payments such as debit and credit cards. So it's, uh, it's a fairly big company. We are very proud of what we do, and we are very proud of partnering with a lot of customers that uh, change and improve uh, their own customers' lives. Remarkable, uh, quite an expansive business as you describe. And in my uh, again brief description of your over uh, your purview rather as chief information officer, it is also expansive. Um, take a moment if you would, and just kind of provide a bit more context to your role as well, if you would. Yeah, so I have been the CIO at Global Payments for now almost twelve years. So you might say that I have vastly exceeded the <laughs> average shelf life of a CIO. Uh, but it's been a great ride. It's been a, uh, a growth experience, both for me and for the company. It was grown, was grown incredibly since I started, and I've been fortunate to, uh, to have taken advantage of that uh, nice ride so far. And uh, my portfolio includes all of uh, IT operations, so data centers, networks, and everything that we do to serve our customers every day. Uh, I have software engineering and uh, um, everything that uh, is associated with uh, software development around the world. I also have cybersecurity uh, as well as uh, what we call our uh, PMO office, so large projects for, for the company. So it's a pretty large portfolio and I love what I do, Peter, so I'm pretty fortunate. It must be why you've stayed at it for a dozen years. <laughs> um, and as I'm, you mentioned, you provided an overview of some of the uh, the breadth of your 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 reach as a business, 170 countries, 1,500 financial institutions, 4 million merchants globally. Uh, you talked about the merchant solutions processing services. How does how is IT organized across uh, all that you described? Uh, to what extent is it centralized? To what extent does it have uh, tentacles into the various uh, operations and uh, geographies that you talked about? Uh, mention that if you would. Yeah, very good questions. We are fully aligned with the business. So, for example, I have a CTO for uh, the merchant solutions and the issuer solution, respectively. For merchant, then I have uh, uh, direct reports that specialize in supporting North America as well as international. So we are fully aligned with uh, how our business goes to market and uh, my CTOs are fully embedded in the business leadership teams. So, uh, and then behind that, we have what we refer to as shared services, essentially corporate functions that are better delivered from an overall shared services perspective, for example, cybersecurity, because we wanna offer a common approach to cybersecurity and a common posture uh, throughout the company. So we have what we call a front of the house, uh, uh, that is fully aligned with the business supported by shared services that are uh, integrated at a corporate level and uh, run the same way around the world. And I know that you and your team are, are uh, deeply embedded in and, and drive topics associated with Web 3.0. These are areas of interest and areas of great influence in an organization like yours. 
Can you talk a bit about your own thought process about, um, you know, incorporating modern technologies? I, I mentioned in my intro, and you, you've uh, alluded to as well, some of the, you know, platform integration, analytics, artificial intelligence, other areas that you've uh, you've implemented uh, and are responsible for. Talk a bit about, uh, you know, your use of, of, of uh, these technologies in order to enhance the business capabilities. Yeah, the way that we look at innovation, obviously, is a, is a cooperative effort. So we have our product group, we have our IT information technology group, we obviously have the business. And typically for net new initiatives such as Web 3.0 or say Metaverse or you know any of the buzzwords that are going out right now, it's typically we put together a cross-functional team uh, and the rules of the game, if you will, are at least uh, partially um, uh, established by my data and architecture team. So if you will, is a, a chief digital officer type of operation that sets the ground rules and then starts really sourcing and providing the data uh, that is necessary to put together what we need to put together. Uh, keep in mind that as a uh, fintech, all of our products are digital. So the digital content of what we do is 100%. And, uh, and that's how we look at things. Uh, we always try for new initiatives to really focus on use cases and scenarios uh, that essentially combine a business technology and the user experience. And so we partner with our business side to really identify those. Uh, so for example, this applies for Web 3.0 or the metaverse areas where we have put some investments recently where we wanna build capabilities and as we refer to by optionality to be present in these markets. So for example, for the metaverse, uh, we, um, uh, we look at it right now as essential in the context of omni-channel commerce and how digital commerce not only can be carried out in the metaverse, but also how there's gonna be component that spill over or are integrated into an overall user experience uh, that might be hybrid. Uh, as you very well know, the, especially during the pandemic, we have seen the power of those integrated experience cross channels between digital and physical. Uh, if you are like me, uh, your house probably resembled the logistics operations. Uh, my, my front room, I think, was uh, very much our shipping receiving department, whereby our family you know, buys, like many other stuff online, gets them in the physical world, delivered to our house, returns some to uh, to the retailing stores or ship something back and so on and so forth. So that's the way we look at this kind of innovations. And uh, uh, we do believe that Web 3.0 uh, and uh, um, in our case, application for decentralized finance or DeFi start to have some interesting use cases. For example, how payments can be portable across different digital domains or how the revenue streams for creators can be enhanced uh, as the digital asset that they sell moves on and transfer uh, transfers ownership. So uh, think about all that needs to happen with uh, the likes of subscription billing or recurring payments that also have a uh, or need to have a programmable component, if you will, uh, to be really useful for creators in digital worlds. So uh, we try and be at the forefront of these developments for digital commerce. And part of our sweet spot is always asking ourselves, how do we help, especially small and medium businesses, you know, the core of our economy, 
to really thrive in these new environments where they don't necessarily have the means, the time, and the expertise to really uh, be present. So we take a lot of pride in that, in helping um, small and medium businesses across America and across the world, really, to be successful in an ever-changing digital economy. And, and you talked a bit about the cross-functional teams you build and the sources of uh, of innovation at the intersection of disciplines inside the organization. I, I wonder, with such a diverse array of of businesses with with which you work uh, as clients of yours, whether that's merchants, whether that's uh, retailers who have. Uh, um, cards that they issue, whether of course it's the fintechs or financial institutions, uh, uh, larger ones and older ones perhaps uh, that you also mentioned. Ha- to what extent do you co-innovate with them or engage them as part of that innovation process in terms of the needs that they have? Uh, I'm curious about that level of engagement. Uh, very much so. We base our uh, software development and, and product engineering uh, very much cooperating and, uh, to your point, co-innovating with uh, our customer base. It can be existing customers, especially large customers that we have are always very um, available uh, to develop products with us. And then we typically have a cross-section of uh, smaller businesses that also cooperate with us. In fact, we have very good examples of where some of our most successful customer-facing products have been developed exactly that way. Um, We have uh, a a cloud-based analytics platform that is enriched through uh, machine learning and some portion of also artificial intelligence, where a lot of the offerings within that platform have been co-developed with some of our uh, customers. Uh, We also conduct focus groups, obviously. We develop different, uh, what we call personas, uh, that help us uh, uh, look at all of the use cases in uh, in our product development. And we also specialize in uh, in a vertic- what we call vertical markets. So very specialized experiences for some specific markets, for example, restaurants, quick service restaurants. We work very closely with quick service restaurants to optimize experiences, for example, at the checkout line or you know, as a customer approaches with their cars, for example, and how that can be enhanced, or in uh, education or in uh, healthcare. Uh, we have had um, recently a lot of success with, what, uh, with our offers in hospitality and entertainment. For example, you're here in Atlanta, Peter, uh, uh, today, and uh, I know that probably you've noticed the beautiful stadium that we have here, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And we are proud of partnering with them to co-develop a fan experience that we can be proud of. And I can tell you, Mercedes-Benz Stadium probably offers uh, one of the best fan experiences that I ever ever personally experienced around the world. So we do that a lot. We believe in it. It is user-centered design, as we call it. uh, And it's been extremely successful for us. Guido, earlier you talked about decentralized finance, DeFi, and uh, it's an interesting time to, to contemplate the topic. Uh, we're in the immediate aftermath of the crypto crash, and there's a lot of cynicism, uh, not only about crypto, but even uh, perhaps about blockchain as well, uh, the, the, the broader topic being uh, thrown under the bus with the um, uh, with crypto in some, in some quarters. As somebody who has more reason than most uh, to think about these, the, these uh, topics. I wonder what your own sort of read of the landscape is. 
Yeah, Peter, obviously that is a top of mind question right now for, for a lot of us that operate, if you will, in the uh, technology side of the crypto world. But I would say first and foremost, that obviously uh, the recent events to, to say the least have not been good for the crypto industry. And now in the wake of all of that, and especially the latest uh, failure, the uh, FTX, a much publicized uh, failure, then I do believe that the crypto industry really needs to go back to ask themselves, what can we do to really be helpful and provide value and build use cases that make sense? Keep in mind that also this is happening in an environment, in a macro environment where everybody is refocusing on fundamentals. And so I think that the speculative wave that we have seen surrounding crypto is hopefully coming to an end and what we're going to see is finally the opportunity for crypto to prove itself as an application that uh, makes sense and solves business problems and adds value and provides a good customer experience. So that's point number one. Point number two is that when we talk about decentralized finance or DeFi, there's really been a difference between the theory and the application. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in theory, yes, we all like the idea of a decentralized uh, model where there is no gatekeeper, but at the same time, most users have actually experienced DeFi through a gatekeeper or through a somewhat centralized entity. And so I do believe that that sort of defeats the purpose a little bit of having a decentralized premise when everything needs to flow through uh, through one centralized uh, uh, gatekeeper. And then I would say we really need to start finding real use cases. And I do believe that there are some very promising use cases there. Think about uh, uh, cross-border payments or think about, like we talked about earlier, some application of payments that allow creators to uh, take advantage of uh, full-on transactions on the sales of digital goods. Um, there are probably very nice applications that are coming when you factor in stable coins or even um, uh, centrally backed digital currencies. I, I certainly hope and expect that the real innovation is now finally going to start and going to hopefully provide some real-life value. So we can get away of really uh, wasting all of our time and effort on uh, understanding what's happening on the speculative side, on the bubble side, and really put a lot of focus and energy on real use cases whereby we can profitably solve uh, business pain points. So I also would like to see that innovation continuously uh, encouraged. So there is a lot of talk about regulation, for, uh, for example, and I want to believe that uh, hopefully we can apply uh, some common sense and not having regulation totally stifle innovation in the wake of these failures where regulators might be inclined to use a little bit of a heavy hand. So I do believe this is the hopefully the beginning of a new phase for crypto where the attention is going to turn from speculation to really solving uh, problems that ultimately make uh, things better for, for us. Yeah, very interesting. I, you also mentioned earlier the metaverse, um, and I wanted to go a little deeper into that as well to get your thoughts on how payments will inform metaverse experience and your own thought process about its evolution, please. 
Yeah, obviously everybody talks about metaverse, so I'm not going to go into a lot of uh, definitions because it might mean different things to different people. But uh, I would say let's start from the fact that uh, uh, there's commerce in digital worlds that it's happening right now. So already my kids buy digital digital assets, you know, in digital worlds, and sometimes actually they want that asset somewhat translated into a real asset in the, in, in the real world. So commerce is happening today. Uh, how do we, as global payments, we ask ourselves this question, help uh, uh, actors in the metaverse thrive? And that goes from users to creators to businesses, especially small businesses that want to create a presence in a digital world that makes sense for them, how to take advantage of commerce in the, in the digital worlds. So we are ready to provide infrastructure and capabilities, mainly through APIs and uh, uh, things that can be plugged into digital worlds, much like we do in other channels that uh, are both digital and physical. So from that perspective, we see the metaverse as an additional channel for commerce. And we actually expect that commerce, like it happens in other channels, to cross uh, different channels and become a, a form of hybrid or omni-channel type, uh, type of commerce. So uh, there is a lot to unpack there, and there is a lot that still needs to happen. But I don't want to lose sight of the fact that things are happening today. There is commerce in digital worlds today, and I do believe that that's only going to expand as the metaverse in some form um, continues to develop. Uh, I would not equate metaverse with just meta, the centralized, if you will, vision of meta as the company to create an uh, all singing, all dancing metaverse, if you will. And so we are prepared to live in a world or to live in a universe, I should say, uh, that uh, encompasses multiple digital worlds. I don't know if that's going to be how it shapes up, but uh, definitely we're going to be ready for it. And um, in terms of the forms of payment or the forms of commerce that we can expect in the metaverse, it can be, I think, that blockchain application are encouraging because I do believe that the idea of programmable money, if you will, is very appealing in the metaverse. But it doesn't have to be that way. There might be, again, some hybrid mechanisms where we may continue to use traditional currencies or traditional methods of payments in digital format and may be complemented by uh, non-fungible tokens or, or, or other assets that can track payments, that can implement smart contracts and can add feature functionalities that are desirable in general in digital commerce. Yeah, fascinating analysis, and 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 uh, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to evolve. I, I also wanted to ask you. I know that um, we talked about ecosystems for innovation internally as well as externally, and I know that you also have some special relationships with, um, like Google, for example, as you as you contemplate your own sort of cloud transformation. Can you talk a bit about uh, some of these external partnerships that you've developed in order to foster what you've described so far? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, cloud uh, has been an area of large investment for us. We have been focused on uh, native cloud developments and deployments for a few years now. And we have thriving partnerships uh, with both Google and uh, AWS. Um, on the Google side, we do offer uh, very innovative 
solutions to uh, our customers, mainly small and medium businesses in the, in the case of Google. And we offer a service that we call Run and Grow Your Business. And uh, it's really interesting how that essentially integrates uh, some Google offerings uh, such as search and it gets then integrated into something that produces something of value for both the users uh, and the merchant. So for example, uh, it's not always easy for small and medium businesses to list their inventory online. And by doing that, they many times lose in-person as well as e-commerce or digital sales. So uh, uh, we partner with Google to make inventory searchable for small and medium businesses on the web. Uh, and so that the ordering systems can now be uh, run in a most efficient way by the small and medium um, enterprise that is trying to develop their presence online. Uh, another example is uh, again through the Run and Grow My Business platform is how we drive more consumers to businesses. So think about how we integrate this with search. Uh, if you wanna search, for example, again, you're here in Atlanta, not your hometown, you're gonna start searching for best burger near me. And uh, for merchants that use that service, then you can order takeout directly through Google search uh, and connect it to maps. And uh, you can have a voice control Google assistant and so on and so forth. So it's really super exciting for us. And these are the kind of things that you can do when you uh, uh, match and integrate all of the capabilities and expertise that we have in the world of payments and uh, helping uh, small and medium businesses to run and grow their business with the incredible services that in this case, Google already offers and the power of those two combined is really um, super exciting for us. It's just fascinating. I, I wanted to ask you, we've, gosh, we've talked about a number of rising trends uh, that, that are impacting your business and by extension, the various uh, customers and partners that you have. Any others that we've not mentioned that you're particularly excited about as you look uh, ahead to the next year or two, Guido? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about cloud. And I think within that, obviously, you know, cloud, uh, again, means a lot of things to a lot of people, but uh, that's going to continue uh, to be a large area of investments, not only for me, but for other CIOs and, and companies for sure. But I think one area to really uh, uh, keep a, a very close eye on is machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence. I think uh, a lot of us are now um, realizing that there's been a lot of practical innovations in uh, AI applications that finally seem to come close to fulfill the, the promise of that technology. I think if you have recently experimented with stuff like uh, ChatGPT, for example, from OpenAI, it's, uh, it's uh, super exciting uh, applications or potential application of AI solutions. Uh, for us specifically, we again partner with large cloud providers such as AWS and Google to use their native offerings for uh, machine learnings and AI. For example, we are now powering a large part of our um, reporting analytics and data platforms that are customer facing with uh, 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 ML and AI capabilities that are natively in Google Cloud. And by doing so, we can power very interesting services such as automating and uh, uh, 
um, uh, making informed guesses about, for example, the probability of winning a chargeback dispute or as applied to some products that we have developed that are actually award-winning, such as real-time fraud uh, uh, detection and management. So these things are coming online at this point with uh, uh, very real potential for practical applications. And I think that's an area where I certainly am keeping a very close eye on. So machine learning and AI seem to finally uh, provide a good return on investment for sure. It makes sense. I also wanted to ask you, as somebody who has been, as you point out, a chief information officer much longer than the average uh, uh, with, with a single stop, at least, what, what have been some of the secrets to your own success, um, Guido? I, I wonder, you know, what do you attribute your, your, your rise to this post in the first place, but also your uh, great tenure in it as well? Uh, what are some of the factors that have led to your success? Uh, uh, wow, I'm not sure if, uh, if I have a lot of advice to offer there, but you know, I, I always go back, Peter, to sort of simple principles. So for example, uh, I do love what I do. And so I think my first piece of advice is, you know, find something that really is uh, uh, of interest to you and where you have a passion. If nothing else, because otherwise you're not going to like it. And if you're not going to like it, you're not going to find the strength to work hard at it. I think finding the 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 passion, uh, as trivial as that might sound, is actually something that I really believe in, and that ultimately uh, brought me to operate in this uh, area, which is sort of the overlap of business technology and the human experience. That really, um, that really I I love, and uh, that allows me to continue to to grow. Uh, also, uh, I am a big believer that at the end of the day, as a leader of, of a public company, I need to get things done. So I'm very much a GTD type of guy, or get things done type of guy. Um, and I do believe in trying and surround myself uh, with people that make me better. Uh, so I am very fortunate to have a team here uh, that uh, really doesn't hesitate to both support me, but also challenge me. And, uh, and I think uh, surrounding myself with people that, that really uh, ultimately make me better is extremely important. Uh, there is one word that I use uh, uh, often uh, that is uh, stempathy, uh, because I believe that, and I, you know, I was uh, the first one in my family to go into technology and uh, uh, a non-liberal art type of education. Uh, but I always uh, liked that influence from my family because it allowed me to appreciate that technology uh, and science without the attention to the human experience is really incomplete. And so I have this idea of stempathy to describe how you know technology and uh, and the uh, and the science need to be coupled with uh, attention to the human experience. So those are some of the things that have always driven me and, uh, and are important to me. Uh, so, so hopefully that's some advice that people can take from it. No doubt. Well, Guido Saki, thank you so much for joining me on Technovation today. It's been great to hear more about your journey, uh, the remarkable innovation that you, you and the team are driving, a little bit of a view of the future as well. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Peter, and thanks for having me.